Well, good morning. How you guys feeling this morning? Good? Yeah. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Thank you so much. Um, I got to tell you, being a father has really changed my life. Um, I became a father at 27 years old, um, and we had our first son, Journey, and since then we've had two more, um, Paxton and Harlow, and then uh, most recently we made the biggest mistake you can ever make when having three children. We got a dog. <laughs> and so we got a dog, and Charlie Brown is waiting for us <laughs> at our house, probably destroying many, many things, but we love him. And so I am a father now of four, and it is crazy, but it's been great. Um, I just want to show some honor this morning um, to the pastors of this house. Um, they are incredible, and I just thank you so much for sharing your platform with me this morning. I want to show some honor to my wife. Uh, she is my rock, and I love her so much. She's an incredible preacher. She's beautiful, and all the things that you have to say up here. <clears throat> Remember that for Mother's Day, okay? <laughs> um, this morning, uh, we're going to give a, a message um, that I feel is very near and dear to my heart. Um, as people, not just as fathers, but as people, uh, we wear many different hats. Uh, I didn't realize the, the amount of hats that I would have to wear um, until I became an adult. When I was just a kid, when I was living in my house, uh, I did three things really, really good. Uh, I ate all my dad's food. Uh, I spent all my dad's money. And I slept a lot. Those were the three things that I was really, really good at. And then it wasn't until I became a man that I realized that there are many more hats that you have to wear as an adult. And there's a term that's gone around that says, hey, I hate adulting. Anybody else? Right? Some of us have been adulting for like 90 years, and we're like, I still hate adulting, right? But we hate adulting, and there's many hats. One of the hats uh, that I had to learn that I had to wear uh, was I had to provide for myself. I got my first apartment. And I didn't realize that my dad wasn't going to pay the electric bill for me. <laughs> I found out the hard way. And uh, when the lights went out, I said, oh, I better, I better get on this bill. So now I have to be a provider for myself. And then I got married, and I had to learn to wear the hat of being a husband. And most recently, like I mentioned earlier, the other hat that I've learned that I had to wear is being a father. And there is no greater honor, in my personal opinion, than being entrusted with little humans, little people that you're supposed to raise up to be the men and women of God that lead the future. And so this morning, I want to read to you a scripture uh, about a pretty famous father figure in the Bible. Uh, it's found in Genesis 21, 8 through 20. I think it's going to be on the screen for you if you don't have your Bibles, but it's about Father Abraham. Anybody know Father Abraham in here? Everybody knows Father Abraham, probably from the song. I'm not going to sing it for you, but we all know it. And so if you have your Bible, Genesis 21, 8 through 20. If you need help, Genesis is at the front, right there. It says in verse 8, so the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw that the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, 
whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing to Abraham's sight because of his son. Verse 12, But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of the bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has told you, listen to her voice. Husbands, did you hear what, what God told Abraham? Listen to her voice. Just some free advice. Okay. Listen to her voice, for Isaac, your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman, because he is your seed. Verse 14, so Abraham rose early in the morning, and he took bread and a skin of water, putting it on her shoulder. He gave it to her and the boy Hagar, and he sent her away. Then she departed and wandered into the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat across, down across from him in the distance, about a bow shot away. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite of him, and she lifted her voice, and she wept. Verse 17, and God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift and the lad and with the lad and hold him in your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled up the water skin, and she gave it to the lad to drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew, and he dwelt in the wilderness, became an archer. Now, everybody pretty much knows this story, and we are kind of in the middle of something. Abraham, prior to this scripture, he was promised a son. He was promised a child. You're going to have a kid. You're going to have a son. You're going to be the father of many nations. There's going to be a lot of great things that come from you. You're going to have this child. He's coming. And Abraham and his wife were already old. And they were like, there's no way possible, God, that we can even have children. And not only was he old, but again, God let him wait. And he waited. And he waited. And he waited. And nothing happened. And finally... Abraham's wife says, you know what? I, I don't think God knows what he's doing. Ooh, almost took a spill there. Hello. <laughs> Abraham's wife said, you're never going to get a child with me. So I'm going to do God's job for him. I'm going to do the work of God for him because God clearly doesn't know what he's doing in this situation. He clearly doesn't know my age. He clearly doesn't know that I can't have children. So I'm going to help God. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you my maidservant. Her name is Hagar. You're going to have a baby with her, and that's going to be the son that God promised to us. And so in this scripture, <clears throat> it's now showing that we're in the middle of something because the son that God promised Abraham actually did come from his wife. 
So now he has two sons. He has one son with the bondwoman, and then he has another son with his wife. And now there's tension in the house. And so she says, you got to get this kid out of here. He's not going to be heir. And there's a particular part of this scripture that was fascinating because I don't think anybody ever like pays attention to this, and it kind of drove me crazy. It's found in verse 14. It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water, putting it on her shoulders, and he gave it to the boy, and he gave it to Hagar, and they departed into the wilderness of Beersheba. Now, Abraham was wealthy, and he sent his child and the mother of his child into the desert with a bottle of water and a loaf of bread and thought that they should survive on this. The scripture, verse 14, it says, he put it on her shoulders. Abraham, who was a well-resourced man, a man who wore many hats in his lifetime, he was a provider, he was called to be a protector, he was called to be a father. He abandoned those responsibilities and he put them on the shoulders of a woman. He put them on the shoulders of the woman. The Bible says Abraham put it on there. She's already got duties and responsibilities of her own. She's already called to be a mother. She's already called to be a woman. Yet Abraham thought it was the, the best idea, the best use of his time to take his responsibility and place it on her shoulders. I want to speak to us from this subject this morning. It's yours to carry. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for these moments. God, be with us. Have your way in this place. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing unto you. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Responsibility. Abraham pawned off his responsibility. He had a weight to carry, and he didn't want to carry the weight. Uh, I hate moving. Anybody else hate moving? I hate moving. I, I hate moving. Anytime I got to move houses, and, and usually people who love moving are the people who don't have to carry anything. They love it. Uh, oh, I love moving. Moving's fun. I hate moving. It's not fun for me, um, especially when you got bad help. Okay, <laughs> I have a friend, uh, and if you have this friend, don't look at them because they're probably in here. Maybe you're that friend, but I have this friend uh, who uh, likes to help me move. Um, and my friend, uh, his name is Will, and I'm just going to be honest with you, he's absolutely dreadful to move with. Uh, he's just not a fun person to have help you do pretty much anything. Um, he's a good hang, and that's about where it stops. Um, <clears throat> Will is not a good help when it comes to moving. And so uh, we had this couch, and you, you remember what it was like when you were like early on in your 20s, and you just got couches from random people, and the couch weighed a million pounds. Um, I had this couch that weighed a million pounds, and I'm trying to take it down a flight of steps, and my friend Will's supposed to be helping me, 
I'm like, okay, Will, we're going to go down this flight of steps. I need your help with this. Can you help me? He's like, I, I can help you. And he starts to lift, and I start to, I'm like, are you sure you got it? Because you always know when that person's not really helping you, you can always feel it. And you ask certain questions like, you sure you got it? And they're always like, yeah. I'm like, you don't got it. And I'm like, can you help me? And he, he's got it. And we're lifting this couch, and I can just feel all of the weight of this couch on my knees, on my shoulders, on my chest. And I'm looking and I look at his hand and he's just got it on the couch like this, barely touching it. And I'm like, dude, you either are Superman or you are not helping me at all. And, and it's my friend, Will. He's, he's, he's a great hang, but he's not good uh, at moving couches up flights of steps. He's just not good at that. Uh, and Will is the type of person that always liked to come and help because there was always a promise uh, of some sort of payment. Now, because I was young and broke, um, my payment was always pizza. Come on, I got pizza. So here's some pizza for you. Uh, and that's all Will was there for. He wasn't there to really help me. He was there for the pizza. Uh, and so Will is not helping me at all, and I'm struggling, and once it's all moved... Will's in the kitchen with a couple slices of pizza, and he's sweating like he's done a lot of work. And I'm thinking to myself, Will, you didn't even pull your own weight. You didn't even help carry your own weight. And it's easy to get like my friend Will, because we want the benefits of blessing, but we don't want to pull our own weight. Sometimes we want a blessing, but we don't want the responsibility that comes with the blessing. We don't want the weight of what comes with the blessing. We want no responsibility. And I'm here to tell you, each and every one of us has a weight of responsibility to carry according to our different calls, roles, and our gifts. Luke 14, 27 instructs us to carry our own cross. It doesn't say, hey, let the person next to you carry, their, carry your cross. Let the person you live with carry your cross. It says each and every one of us needs to carry our own cross. We jump back to verse 9 in Genesis. It says this, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born with Abraham scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. Now, going back to this, God already promised Abraham and Sarah a son. But because they grew impatient with God's process, they tried something else. It is a dangerous place to hear a promise from God and then try to make it happen on your own. Here's something that you didn't know. Maybe you, maybe you do know this and you need reminded. God does not need your help. He's just been doing it way longer. In fact, if you put his resume next to yours, okay, let's just do it just for giggles. Okay, God, creator of the universe, creator of the sun, creator of all things in human life, and then you... You know, you've raised a couple kids and, you know, you had a career. Pales in comparison. It's not the same thing. God doesn't need your help, but yet we often try to help God. We often try to do things that's going to speed up God's process. And God already promised this, but because Abraham grew impatient, he allowed his wife to lead his household with her emotions. And he did not lead with his God-given authority, 
which now has us here in verse 9. Get this woman out of my house. I don't want her here. I don't want to see her. As men, we are called to lead. We must stop acquiescing to the position that the world is trying to tell us that we need to be in. This is for the fathers. This is for the men. We are too quick to give away our responsibilities in the name of comfort, and we call it peace. I just want peace. Now, you don't want peace. You want comfortability because leadership is uncomfortable. When you have to lead a household, listen, I am the father in my house, and I make the most unpopular decisions all the time with the rest of the crew. When I say we're going to do something, there everybody's kicking and screaming, the dog's yelping, everybody's mad. It doesn't matter because in that moment, I'm called to lead. I can't allow emotions and I can't allow triggers like that to stop me from being exactly who God's called me to be. Not popular opinion around the world, but here's a spoiler alert. Men and women are different and are called to different things. Not better, just different. And those words are not the same. Those words aren't the same. God's called us to be different. We got different roles that we got to assume. We got different things that we got to do. We got different hats that we got to wear. I can't be a mom, but I can be a dad because that's who God's called me to be. I got to be who God's called me to be. Based on our differences, we are able to assume different roles and responsibilities. As men, it is our job. It is our job to lead well in the roles and the responsibilities that God has given to us. Our greatest example of what a man should be is Jesus. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace is upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus didn't put anything on you. He assumed the responsibility of being the sacrificial lamb. He wore the hat that he was supposed to wear. He wasn't trying to pawn off his responsibilities in the name of comfort or in the name of peace. He kept what he was supposed to keep, and I implore you to keep what's yours. Jesus is and was responsible for the reconciliation of the sins for the world. He never pawned it off. He never tried to delegate it. He assumed his role. So Abraham, back in verse 14, watch this. It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning, and he took the bread and a skin of water, putting it on her shoulders. There's something about that line that stuck out to me. It jabbed me every time I read it. Putting it on her shoulders. Her shoulders weren't meant to carry the weight. He gave the responsibility of being a provider and a father and a protector to a nurturer and a mother and a woman who God sees. But God sustained the boy. God sustained the boy, but she had to raise him. Unresourced and unfathered. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For the child born unto us, the son given to the government, will rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Prince of Peace. The government was on his shoulders. It's not on your shoulders. Abraham transferred power Abraham transferred responsibility so he can have peace in his home, so he can be comfortable in his home. Leadership is not comfortable. 
It is not peaceful. There is turmoil. There are things about it that you got to fight, that you got to wrestle with. And I'm here to tell you, if you continue to pawn off your responsibility, you're going to see negative effects of it. Abraham, who was well-resourced, who was well-off, and is the man, he was a man that everybody looked up to. He was a provider, protector. He abandoned his responsibilities in the desert. The introduction... Yours to carry. It's yours to carry. It's not mine to carry. It's yours to carry. It's your responsibility. And here's my main point today. We all have responsibilities. We all have weight to carry. Make sure you're carrying yours. We all have responsibilities and we all have weights to carry. Make sure that you're carrying yours. I can't carry yours. Pastor Tim can't carry yours. You got to carry your weight. And I have some reasons why we might try to unload the weight of responsibility, not just fathers, but all of us. First one is we don't feel qualified. We don't feel qualified to lead. We don't feel qualified to have this responsibility. Uh, I would be a rich man I told you the amount of men that I talk to, they say, well, my wife leads the house in the spiritual realm. I just, whatever she says, whatever, we just do that. Whatever church she picks, we go to. Whatever she says to do, I, we, that, if, if, I, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that in our contemporary society, I'd be a millionaire. Joshua 24, 15 says this, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua set the tone for his household. He set the temperature for his household. Anybody like AC in Florida? Okay. I love AC. Love it. It's my favorite thing here. It's my favorite thing about Florida, especially right now. In the house, I know what I like my house to feel like. I love it to feel nice and cool. And there better not be a soul that comes through the door, that ever touches my thermostat. (laughs) Ever. Because I set the temperature for my house. I know what I want it to feel like. My son Journey overstepped his bounds a few weeks ago. Me and my wife were walking around. We noticed that it was just a little bit too cold in the house. We went over to the thermostat and we noticed that it was set at 69 degrees. This guy doesn't pay any bills. He contributes nothing to the household. But he thought, because he was hot, that he can go and adjust my thermostat. Wrong. You cannot adjust my thermostat. I know what I want the house to feel like. Men, you know what you want your house to feel like on a more practical level. The way you respond is the way your kids will respond. The way you talk to their mother is the way your kids will talk to their mother. You set the temperature. You set the tone. If you want a house of peace, then you have to start there as the man. 
You set the temperature. No one else sets the temperature. So if your house is in calamity, I love saying this, leadership is the problem and the solution. Check yourself. Woo. If my house is out of sorts, I got to look in the mirror. I can't look for somebody else. I can't look, well, this is your fault. Well, you did, you caught, no, this is on you. This is on your shoulders. The next thing, the next reason why I think that we might unload uh, the weight of responsibility is fatigue. I'm just tired. I'm just so tired. I got so many other hats that I got to wear. I got so much other responsibility that I have. I'm just tired. I'm just fatigued. Uh, I like to go to the gym in the mornings. Anybody else gym rats out there? It's all right. (laughs) I like going to the gym. I haven't gone recently. It's an indictment. My wife's looking at me right now like, have you been to the gym? Um, I love going in the mornings because it helps take care of my body. Now, in the mornings, typically at 5.30, I'm pretty tired. I'm pretty sleepy. But I can't allow the fatigue that I feel in the moment deter me from going and taking care of my personal health. It's the same with your leadership. You can't allow the fatigue of leadership to dictate how well you lead. You can't say, oh, I'm just too tired today. It's not an option. If no one leads my house because I'm too tired, it will be chaos. It will be crazy. It won't have any order and it won't have any structure. So I don't have the option of fatigue. Now, if you allow fatigue to drive the car, to drive the vehicle of how you live your life, you'll never accomplish anything. I'm too tired to do this. I'm too sleep. I'm too, I just, I need some rest. I need some rest. My health is my responsibility. So if I don't go to the gym, guess who gets unhealthy? Me. Your leadership is your responsibility. If you don't take care of it, guess who's going to feel the effects of it? You. No one else is. So you can't let fatigue be the reason why you abandon your responsibility. Here's the next one. The reason why I feel that we unload the weight of responsibility because it requires life adjustments or hard pivots. Because it requires life adjustments or hard pivots. What do you mean by life adjustments and hard pivots? As a married man for eight years, it would be inappropriate for me to text other girls, to go on dates with other women. It would, it's weird, right? But I just, you know, some people just need to know. It would be inappropriate for me to do those things. It would be inappropriate for me to engage in any other relationship with any other woman outside of my wife. Why? Because it's a hard pivot that I had to make with my responsibility. It's an adjustment that I had to make because now I'm responsible for my relationship with my wife. I'm responsible for this. It's not a restriction, it's a responsibility. A lot of times we look at these things and we back away and we shy away from the leadership aspect and component of things because it looks like restriction. 
It's not restriction as much as it is a responsibility. I have a responsibility to my wife. I have a responsibility to my family. So I can't do the things that I would normally do if I were a single guy because I'm not single. I can't just go to bed at 3 a.m. I can't do that anymore because my wife would kill me. (laughs) I got to go to bed when she goes to bed because those are the rules of the house. Don't touch my thermostat. That's how it goes. But I have a responsibility to the relationship. It's not a restriction. I can't live like a single man. I got to live like a married man. You have a responsibility as a father, as a husband, as a provider. It's not a restriction. Oh, I can't do this. I get to lead my family this way. I get to do this. Or four. Another reason why we might want to unload the weight of responsibility. You got a lot of baggage. You got a lot of baggage already. You're already carrying a lot of weight. You already got a lot of stuff from your past, and you just don't want to deal with it. You can't pick up other things that you should have in your hand until you currently drop what you're holding. I can't pick up responsibility that I need if I'm still holding on to something from my past, something trivial, something that doesn't matter. If I'm still holding on to resentment, if I'm still holding on to fear, if I'm still holding on to unforgiveness, I don't have the bandwidth or the extra hands or the extra strength to pick up the things that I need to. So I need to let them go. I need to drop them. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, lay down your burdens you have carried and give it to God. Sometimes, though, it's hard to decipher what you should be holding and what you shouldn't on your own. Sometimes it's hard to decipher what you should be holding on your own and what you shouldn't be holding on your own. So go to therapy. No, it's not a big thing that lots of people like to talk about, but there's some things that you're carrying that you don't know how to let go of. It's actually become attached to who you are. So there's nothing wrong with talking to a third party who has a different expression or a different opinion or someone who can see you from the other side of things. There's nothing wrong with talking to a therapist or talking to someone who's a spiritual guide in your life because sometimes you're carrying things that you didn't know that you were carrying, and sometimes you don't know how to let go of things that you need to let go of. You need to talk to someone because people can help you. The final thing is the reason why we want to unload the weight of responsibility because we feel like it's too late. I can't pick it up now. It's too late. Father Abraham What an oxymoron. The father of many nations forgot to be the father of one. And I bet, I'm willing to bet, just because he's a good dad, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. I bet there were days where he thought, I wonder how Ishmael's doing. I wonder if he's okay. I wonder if he's alive. 
Is he married? Do you have any kids? I'll just think about him. I'm not going to reach out. It's too late. I've ruined it. Can't reach out to my son. I can't talk to him. It's too late. The father, Abraham, missed being the father to the one. And that was three years old. First time I ever met my dad. Didn't know who he was. Didn't know I had a dad. Didn't know I needed one. By that time, I had already been abused. I had already been exposed to crazy sexual immorality. I saw drive-by shootings. It was around drugs. Everything you can imagine. All before I turned the age of three. I finally met my dad when I was three years old. My dad had a choice to make in that moment because he could have thought to himself, well, he's three now. He's lived this much without me. It's too late. I'll just just let him go, let him grow. Instead, my dad did something incredible. He saw the hat that he was supposed to be wearing and he put it on. My dad got custody of me, and he raised me in the church, and I got saved when I was seven years old. I got saved when I was seven years old. It's amazing. I started going to church. I went to Christian school. I grew up reading the Bible. I grew up falling in love with God's Word. That's how it worked for me. I grew up knowing what responsibility was. I grew up in a good home. I grew up in a solid family. Because my dad saw the responsibility, the weight that he was supposed to carry. He didn't pawn it off on someone else. He didn't put it on my mother's shoulders. He knew exactly what I needed. And let me tell you something. I'm a catch. I'm a catch, okay? I'm a good guy. I don't get in any trouble. I love God. I'm pretty cool. Because Thank you so much. <laughs> because of those things, I was able to find my wife. Because of those things, my son was able to accept Jesus into his life at seven. And because of that, my kids know scripture. And because of that, my kids are raised in a good family. All because my dad didn't abandon the responsibility. Who knows? Who knows? who I would have been, what I would have been doing had my dad not assumed the role and the responsibility in my life. We all have responsibilities. We all have weight to carry. Are you carrying yours? Dads, reach out to your sons. Sons, reach out to your fathers. Daughters, reach out to your dads. Dads, reach out to your daughters. All of us carry the weight of our responsibility. Put it on your shoulders. Don't look for someone else to carry it. I want to pray over us this morning. Jesus, we thank you so much. 
that you didn't abandon your responsibilities on the cross. You were in the garden of Gethsemane. And you looked to your father and you said, take this cup from me. And in the same breath, you uttered these words, not my will, but your will be done. It's the will of the Father for us to carry our responsibilities. It's not your job to do our job, God. You make trees, we make chairs. God, help us to see the weight that it is, that the responsibility that it is that we're supposed to carry. And when we don't know what that looks like, let us be reminded of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Thank you, thank you, thank you for loving us, for guiding us, for protecting us. God, thank you for not abandoning your role as our Father. As the song says, you are a good, good Father. We don't really know what good means. Our interpretation of good doesn't even equate to how great and good you are. And we're so thankful for all that you do both now and in our future. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.